Hi, everybody. Today on our podcast, we're very excited to have Namala Shashadri here, who is a multidisciplinary artist, choreographer, movement educator, researcher, and writer. We're going to talk about Indian dance from traditional to contemporary dance. What does that mean? What is traditional Indian dance? What is contemporary? And we're going to start by discussing a show that we both saw recently, which is Chauk. Um, company, and they performed a work called Palavi in Time, which was recently at the Esplanade Theatre Studio. And it brought up a lot of issues about what is the nature of traditional dance and contemporary dance, because it was actually a deconstruction of the traditional odyssey form, which company artistic director Raka Maitra uh, works in, and she has a group of four dancers that she works with and some wonderful musicians, which are very much part of the show. So let's start talking about this idea, given that we've got traditional musicians working with the company, we're looking at Odyssey dance, they're wearing saris, they're wearing ankle bells, but then they, they're not doing a traditional form, they're stripping it from the narrative and traditional gestures. So Namala, what do you think about that? I think... When it comes to traditional and contemporary, we need to be a little careful because the definitions in terms of classical Indian dance are not as clear-cut as we would like to believe they are, you know, the distinctions. And uh, so what is tradition? What is contemporary? And, you know, for some people who exist within these forms, their dance tradition is contemporary. They look at it that way. So any kind of external enforcement of change can be viewed as a kind of a recolonizing, you know? So I think that's something to take into consideration when we view, when we analyze. And also I think it's probably important to look from the artist's point of view, like what is the artist saying is their approach to dance and then to, to start from there. But having said that, on the other side of it, we do have uh, people who hold on to tradition so vehemently and, um, you know, these can be quite influential forces in the community. And what this does then is to be quite uh, suffocating and, and can be oppressive and not give agency to the individual dancers to explore and to allow their dance and their their forms to breathe. Yeah, let, let's just talk a bit more about that. So given that dance, you could probably break it down into the form, the content and the context simplistically. So if we're looking at the form, which in this case is Odyssey dance, and you strip it from the intention and the purpose given that the purpose of the dance is to communicate with, with gods and to reinforce certain truths within the, as a cultural society, and you take that away, what are you left with? Okay, I, let's, let's go back to chalk, since that's our reference point for both of us right now. We've just seen it. I don't see it as having been stripped of the gods and the goddesses. I see, for me, it was very much based in the classical. I feel that what Raka and her group seemed to be doing was to have taken this one piece in the repertoire, which is Pallavi, and it's like putting it under the microscope and saying, okay, now how do we look at it and where can it go from here and how do we understand it and how do we share this in a different way based on that approach. 
Now, Pallavi, in its essence, does not have a lyric. It does not have narrative. It does not have the communication in that sense. Uh, it's communicating in a different way. And that is part of the repertoire. In the repertoire of classical Indian dance, we have this and we have that as well. So this time round, they have chosen to take the Pallavi. And Pallavi, if you take the meaning of the word Pallavi, it means blossoming, it means elaboration. So it's almost, for me, the term is an invitation for that sort of playing with the piece. Now, some people may choose not to play with it too much. Raka has chosen to play with it in a personal with a contemporary approach. So this is the choice. Right. So what about the context of this dance? I mean, when it appears first outside of India, it's in Singapore, there's, even though there's a large Indian community here, mm -hmm. um, how do you think the context change has affected it, given it's in a black box space, it's with an audience that's probably not from that particular cultural background, and it becomes an aesthetic experience in a, in a unique way. So can you really separate it from the cultural context that it originally existed in? Okay. We need to keep in mind that these so-called traditions are recent reinventions. And so they're not as old or as traditional as we think they might be. So having said that, being reinventions, they are evolving, whether it's here or in India. Of course, Raka being here would evolve it in a certain way, which I'm sure draws from influences here. Similarly, a person, Odissi dancer in India, let's say Nrityagram, they do their explorations as well. So I think classical dance, I feel it offers tremendous scope for exploration. And it's rich in the range of tools that it offers. So today you might play with rhythm and movement, tomorrow text and narrative and gestures. So it's there are infinite possibilities if you choose. So it's choice. I think we have to respect that each one Chooses. Yeah. I, I think that's a wonderful statement to say. I, I think that many people are confused about what traditional dance is, the fact that it is so open-ended, it's so open to possibilities that it's actually what we mean by traditional. It's constantly evolving. It's not from the Devidasas and way back on the sculptures in the temple paintings and I think what Chalk has been able to do, and your own work as well, sometimes you work with narrative and, and the form becomes a tool that you incorporate into contemporary narratives. So with Chalk, they've used narrative to look at social issues with foreign workers, for example, and other things. And you did a marvellous piece, I remember. Um, so can you talk a bit about how the form is flexible in terms of narrative? Okay, so this is again my my perspective. I really wish Raka was here to speak about her work. I think with forms like Odyssey as well as Bharatanatyam, because poetry is a very strong aspect of uh, these classical dance forms, of course, music and rhythm. and So it's all very intertwined. And we have also the tools of emotional expression. I think different dancers work very differently in terms of how they bring their contemporary reality into their dance. I mean, the very fact of bringing that contemporary reality is a step out of what generally we are used to. And the very first time I did that was in 1999 with this dance theatre production, Outcast Eternal. And that was where 
I wanted to talk about this issue of women and the dichotomy in terms of how woman is, is revered as goddess and how she is often treated in reality. And uh, for that, I had come across this book that addressed that quite beautifully. So in doing that, there was this contemporary literature angle, you know, so, so, and then a script that needed to be written. So, so when you have text, for instance, a Telugu uh, poem, musical poem that you're dancing to, there is that possibility of changing Telugu to English, let's say, if that's the language that you are most comfortable in or that you relate to or what you want to talk about requires for that. There is a possibility of, okay, you have music, but there's a possibility of, of working with a different genre of music. So these are the things. that You have those elements there. I think it's a question of how you play with that. Yeah, I think that's another very interesting thing, and I've observed with Raka's performance, but also other performance here, including yourself, that the traditional form is always multidisciplinary. And in contemporary arts, we often think that's very avant-garde to be multidisciplinary, but it actually is a very ancient tradition. Like, you would never do a classical Indian performance without live musicians. It often involves text. It often involves other elements as well, drama, many things. So I think this multidisciplinary aspect can come into the contemporary in a very positive way. And I know that um, that's something that uh, Raka has done with using contemporary musicians like Barney Huckle, example, and also that you have done yourself. So um, can you talk about this? Is it something that you think that you should construct in reference to the traditional form or is it actually so intrinsic to it and so much embodied that you would never consider doing a contemporary work without using text, musicians and so on? I think, again, it, it boils down to what you choose and what you want to do. Okay, let's put it this way. In classical Indian dance, conventionally, this thing called choreography was not there. It was always that you learnt from a teacher and the tradition is about reproducing what you learn. Now, that is a choice some dancers make to continue to do that, which is their choice. And then some other dancers uh, have chosen to step into the space called choreography. And then, of course, they, they then make decisions on how they want to choreograph, why they want to choreograph, what they want to say, you know, and where they want to say it. So... When, when we talk about tradition and contemporary, I think for dancers like Raka and myself and others, many others who are working in this way here or in other countries, I see it as a kind of a, it's a recalibration, a, a, a relocation of the form in this time and this space, right? And watching Raka and her group the other night, I mean, I, to my eye, it was very difficult to say, okay, here's where tradition stops and, and here's where contemporary begins. You know, for me, it seemed to merge and, mm. and quite beautifully, actually. Yes, I, I think that was a very 
important point because I think the audience was spellbound, but not just by the four. And it was interesting to look at who the audience are. I think they're certainly not just all Indian people. It's a, I would say that's a small percentage. So people start to admire the aesthetic, the discipline, the stamina, the, the quality of the dancers beyond whatever form they're dancing in, whether it's contemporary or, or odyssey or whatever it is. So I think that's an interesting point to note. I just want to say that I was struck by the focus and commitment of the dancers. And I think the piece had very strong visual moments that even now come to my mind. It was like, you know, and they were all dressed in grey. They were like temple sculptures that had come to life in that time. And what I was also seeing is that passion for Odyssey. For me, Pallavi in time was a celebration of Odyssey. The music is the other element. I, I feel that it allowed itself to become raw and edgy. And there was, in the music, I was hearing these isolation of elements and instruments, including the voice, fragmentation, and somehow the musicians seemed to give themselves the freedom and the permission to shift from time to time from music into sound, and sound that was not always pleasant and beautiful in a conventional sense. And I found that exciting, actually. So... I think while the underlying spirit of Pallavi has always, I mean, Pallavi as in the, the piece in the traditional repertoire, has always come across to me as playful, sensual and beautiful, the exploration of the music that night seemed to convey shades of other emotions, which I thought were interesting points of departure from the dominant emotion of Pallavi. I think that's absolutely true. I think that for many of us, we were transported into another sort of mesmerising feeling from this production where it really went for an hour of just people moving through space, doing quite simple but very beautiful things underpinned by this music, which is quite hypnotic and yeah. moved on in a, such an interesting way. So I think it was a really milestone somehow for this sort of form presented here in Singapore. And I do remember that the great Indian contemporary dancer Anita Ruckman at one point said that contemporary isn't Bharatanatyam in blue jeans. So she really sort of said, well, you know, you don't just change the music. You, you have to look at the essence, what you want to say, what you want it to convey to an audience. And I, I think Ruck has dug very deep into conveying these ideas to an audience. So in terms of the scene for Indian dance in Singapore, we have quite a spectrum of activity. Let, let's talk a bit about that. So we have people that are in big schools like the Bhaskar Academy and so on that are, are training students in a very traditional way. We have people like yourself and um, Maya Dance Theatre that are working in a way that includes contemporary. So what would you say the spectrum would be? I guess the percentage of traditional training versus the the amount of contemporary, is it the ideas, it is the form, is it the, what, what is actually changing here in Singapore that you think is innovative? I think that it's, it's a wide spectrum and actually it's very heartwarming to see that you have people doing uh, extremes of, of what we consider traditional and contemporary experiments and, and everything else in between. And I think that the more the scene allows for these variations to exist is when the dance has a chance to, to survive. Because I think it requires that canvas. It cannot be just one kind of expression 
or one group's expression. So in all of this spectrum of events, how, how do you think that the traditional, traditional in terms of learning with a guru, with, that is a very historic way of learning the dance, and I know that there's many families, Indian families here, that send the young girls particularly to dance classes where they are learning this as a cultural experience. So do you think that this, um, these things are running in parallel lines? We have a very traditional culturally based, and the purpose of the dance is to reinforce the cultural value. And then you have a performance component where people are wanting to experiment and say we're living in a contemporary world, so what can I bring into my practice which reflects the contemporary world that we're living in? So do you think there's a tension here or do you think these things are going on harmoniously? I think there definitely is a tension and um, the tension might actually uh, exist even more acutely for Bharatanatyam than for Odyssey, is, is my reading of it. I'm just thinking that given that Bharatanatyam has existed in this in this landscape for you know a few more decades and, and institutions are quite firmly rooted here and they're quite old institutions, whereas Odyssey is a relatively more recent happening. So I don't know, I would imagine that there must be tension, but I would think it's slightly more for Bharatanatya. But that tension also is interesting. I mean, it produces interesting shifts in the form. Okay, and what about, so, you know, it's disputable that there's eight classical Indian dance forms. So what about the other ones that here, like, for example, Katak? I mean, Singaporeans know Katak very well through Akram Khan and his company that have been here and variations on what his root is in Katak dance and how that's exploded internationally in contemporary expression, which many people here have seen. So do you see uh, something developing here that might become a really international, innovative way of working with traditional forms? I think anything is possible and we just have to give it time because Singapore is just so young in that sense. But I think what we need to be careful of is that um, Singapore is artistically and culturally diverse and we need to recognise that each artist has their own ideas, their own motivations and their own points of origin, right? And in such a setting like this, the term contemporary, especially in the context of dance, can be difficult to pin down. So I think even in American and European journeys of contemporary dance, from hyper-Orientalism to athleticism to dance theatre, individual dancers have been exploring what contemporary means in terms of their own bodies and minds. So I think in terms of Singapore, it will probably be helpful not to bring in the preconceived lenses and notions because that could be very limiting to the development of contemporary Asian exploration in its diversity. So with this diversity, what are the possibilities for dance artists to work with the traditional form. I mean, one way is perhaps deconstruction of how you take that form and you can deconstruct it in a particular way. Can you comment on that? Let's go back to Pallavi in time. I think for me, Pallavi in time was a strong work, not because it focused only on body and rhythm, but because it drew from strong foundations of the classical through embodied knowledge and vast experience selecting, like I was mentioning just now, one aspect of the repertoire, placing it under the microscope, giving us the opportunity to 
view it and experience it through the lens of deconstruction. What is deconstruction? I mean, in the contemporary canon, we had people like Twala Tharp that really made a mm, huge pieces out of just taking a small amount of material and then reworking it in various ways. And so I could see when I watched the Chalk production that there was a lot of deconstruction going on, a lot of repetition, a lot of moving material around, giving it a different dynamic, giving it a different energy, spatially transiting various ways to work with it. So I thought that was very inventive way of, of working with the material. So what do you think of that? I, I think, I, I agree with you, I think it worked at many levels. But having said that, I'd say I admired the work I cannot claim to have been transported to accelerated heights while watching it. But even then, the visual of the sculpturesque bodies in movement, the dramatic sounds of percussion and voice, they do keep coming back to my mind. So the work, I have to confess, has left me thinking and finding new meanings each passing day. I haven't stopped thinking about Pallavi in time. So this, for me, is one of the hallmarks of a meaningful and well-thought-out piece of work. Yeah, so I think that we've sort of affirmed that taking the material and then working with it and thinking about it and digging deeper into its origins, its its text, but also I think the multidisciplinary factor is essential towards this idea of deconstruction and I think it would be interesting to look at the musician's point of view, what they did in terms of their input into this piece, how they had to deconstruct and they had to work with the dancers as well. So I think it's a, an amazing ongoing conversation and dialogue that is actually going on around the world, particularly in the Indian diaspora, which uh, many very great Indian artists are, of course, dispersed around the world. And I think many of them find it quite a, a celebratory challenge to be in a new place where, in effect, they don't have the the weight of tradition on their backs and they can explore and they can work in a new way. So perhaps we could say Singapore might be joining this cutting-edge way of looking at Indian contemporary dance. Again, I don't want to put this on an east-west axis because in Singapore for a long time now, contemporary dance has been viewed through that Western lens. So I want to be very careful I think it's a very powerful exploration that took place, but I still maintain that there are many ways of working. So next time around, even Raka or anyone else might choose to work with the dramatic aspect and that won't make it any more or any less contemporary, you know? I think that's really great, but I think that the point might be, is it easier to do that outside of India? And I, I have had a conversation with some dancers that say in India there's very much the weight of the history, the guru system, everything in place. So do you think there's some freedom in being able to, do you, you used the word choice before, do you think there's more choice if you're outside of the origins of the context? Okay. It cuts both ways because I've lived in Chennai for many years myself and I think I really enjoyed creating out of the box over there. I mean, it may not be the mainstream audience that uh, encourages and watches such works, but there are individuals who are really thirsty for change 
and there are many artists to work with. So you sort of find your niche group, and India being as large as it is, you know, offers that. Also, the other very important point, I think, um, which I'd like to mention is this sort of work, which is based in the classical form, to read it. How do we view it? How do we read it? I think it involves making an attempt, an effort to know the form to some extent and to also be open-minded. So, yes, it's wonderful that the work is received well here in this context, but it helps to know the, the points of departure as well. And that, I'm not sure how much of the audience takes that trouble to know the Odyssey or the Bhartanatyam to really understand, because there are subtleties there. So, yeah, I mean, you could say that there's more freedom here in some ways, but um, there are plus points on both sides, I would say. That's a wonderful <laughs> way to finish this evening. So thanks very much, Namal. It was just so great to talk about this issue and we brought up many points that could be discussed and there's whole conferences on these points, as, as we know, so we can, we can move forward again. So thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you very much.